Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Tuesday, February the 27th, 2024. It is currently 3.19 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, before I say anything else, before I get to the actual introduction, I hate that I have to do this. I hate that I have to do this, right? But if I do not offer some kind of warning, if I don't offer some kind of statement here, then I'm going to get all kinds of emails with people yelling and screaming and upset. So I just have to do this. I would rather just to go directly into my introduction and set it up. I had kind of a, I thought would be just like a cool way to just jump right into it. But no, 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 no. I I cannot do that. I cannot do that. I have to offer this warning. Ladies and gentlemen, I understand that this is a theology podcast. Therefore, a large percentage of a large percentage of my audience would be professing Christians. The one thing you cannot speak of to professing Christians is really anything related to music unless you're just going to yell and scream and condemn basically every form of music, call for the burning of, I don't know, your phone, if it has Apple Music on it, I don't know, I, because you don't really burn records anymore. But it's just, if you talk about music, Christians get upset. They get frustrated. I try to be, I try to avoid conversations with Christians about music most of the time because it almost inevitably ends in controversy and yelling and frustration. And no, you can only listen to this music and this music is wrong and this is right and this is wrong and this is right and this is wrong and, this is wrong and, this is wrong and that is satanic and that is demonic and you can't listen to this and you can't and you're like okay 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 never mind i'm just going to i'm just going to you know take a uh, a pencil and shove it into my ear so that i can't hear anything ever again and then nobody can accuse me of listening to the wrong music okay maybe that's a little bit extreme maybe a little hyperbolic but the reality is the reality is I have witnessed it way too many times in my Christian life, the never-ending music wars, you know, taking kids to camp so that the kids are told the evils of music, and then they come home saying, I'm never going to listen to this music ever again, and well, until they do, and and then the parents are like, oh, we've got to get rid of, you can't listen to this, and you can't listen to this, it's just, it goes on and on and on and on and on. Now, I'm very aware of that, and even though I'm very aware of that, I'm not very smart. I'm not very smart at all. In fact, you could argue that I'm very dumb because I typically do that, which only causes me more pain and misery instead of helping me, right? See, what I should do is come up with a strategy so that I can make my podcast more popular, that I could reach more people. But what I have a tendency to do is talk about things that I think need to be spoken of, you know, whether it makes people happy or doesn't make people happy. And sometimes I just talk about things because, well, it's what I'm thinking about and it's what I'm interested in. Therefore, the podcast has more of a feeling of being real and organic than being overly produced and following some template. Uh, and, and I don't like that. Like it comes off, you know, um, you know, a, a, an assembly line. I don't want it to come across 
Like it just came off the assembly line following and looking like every other podcast. So if I'm into something, doing something, thinking about something, at some point that's going to come through this microphone that I'm looking at and you're going to hear it. So with that said, obviously there's something in my mind at this very moment about music. In fact, yeah, because I was downstairs listening to music, ladies and gentlemen, and it sparked an idea. Now, we're not going to talk about what I was listening to downstairs right now. We have to do something else. We go. We have to go back to the year, I believe it's 1979. I believe it's the year 1979. I probably... I think it was the summer of 1979. I could be wrong. Somebody will look something up and go, it couldn't have been the summer of 1979 because, all right, you can correct me. I'm going with memory. Now, many of you know that I absolutely love music. So from a very, very early age, early, 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 early on, All I ever wanted was to find a way to make a little money so that someone could take me to the record store so that I could buy music. My favorite place to be was at the the record store on New Music Day. Other kids wanted money to buy toys. I wanted music to buy records. Other people wanted to go here. I wanted to go to the record store. Other kids wanted to go play in the park. I wanted to be sitting in front of a turntable. Okay, other kids wanted, like, that was my, if you if you could not find me, I probably was in a closet somewhere with a radio, okay, because I loved just locking myself away from everyone and listening to music, listening to the DJs, loved listening to music countdowns. Oh, did I love that. I had notebooks where I would keep track of all the countdowns and then predict what would be number one, what would be this, and music, 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 music. So I believe it was somewhere in the summer of 1979. And this particular story, I cannot tell you what record store I was in. Sometimes I can tell you exactly the record store. I could take you to the exact street and show you where the building was. In this particular case, I have no idea where I was. But I came across an album. The title of the album was in this like really bright, almost like blood red color. So that caught my attention because it kind of stood out. And it said, Axon. Now there was another letter there and I couldn't make it out. Like, what is that? Is that a letter? Is that a symbol? Is it Axon? And then I was like, oh, I think that's Saxon. At the time, I probably was walking around calling it Axon. Who knows? I mean, I was young. Okay. So, you know, I was what, 10 years old or something. Okay. So um, I was like, what, what is this? What is this? So I'm like, all right. Like, so the coloring looked cool. Then it had a guy who looked very angry holding a sword that had blood on it. And I'm like, ooh, this looks good. And it looked kind of animated, right? It looked like it was almost like a, like a cartoon. And I'm like, and he's holding a shield. He's got a sword. It's got blood on it. Now, I know the, the, this, this is not in proper chronological order, but it made me think, like, later on, it made me think of Thundar the Barbarian. Do you remember that cartoon? Thundar the Barbarian. I wish I could find out. That, that's got to be on some streaming service. I need to go back and watch those episodes because I used to love that. I used to love uh, Thundar the Barbarian. So I was, so it, that's what it made me think of. Right? Now, it didn't make me think of it at the time. Later on, it made me think of that, right? Later on, looking at the album cover, after watching an episode of Thundar the Barbarian, that's what it made me think of. 
And the band, uh, the band Saxon, um, was a metal band. We'll call them, we'll call them heavy metal. I think that's, I think that would have been the appropriate term at that time. I think now sometimes what's sometimes classified as metal to me is more hard rock. Okay. And, and then you could argue that early metal was more hard rock and that what became metal. But okay. We could get into a whole argument about, you know, how to classify different musical genres. We won't get into that discussion. But when the album first came out, I didn't know, I didn't know anything about the band, of course. I just saw the, I mean, I did this frequently when my trips to the music store. I would just look and try to pick something. I had no idea what it was. No, I didn't know anything about the band because I always wanted to buy one thing. I had no clue what it was just for the pure excitement of discovery. And maybe I loved it. Maybe I hated it, but it was fun. Like I did not know what to expect. Sometimes I would buy obviously things I knew about, but I always had to buy at least one album that I had no clue. And Saxon or Axon at the time is probably what I was calling it. I didn't know anything about. And I came home and started listening to it. And I'm like, okay, all right. This is awesome. Now, I had no idea that it was kind of really setting the stage for what we will call the the British heavy metal invasion that was coming. Like, we, I, I didn't really know that this was maybe setting up that kind of this was this was like a precursor to what was to come. But I I, I listened to it. I, maybe I don't know if I I don't think I loved it. I didn't hate it. I think I just kind of put like, all right, kind of somewhere in the middle. And I didn't really give much thought to the band Saxon. But from that point forward, Saxon has <laughs> they haven't stopped making albums. Okay, I think the band members are all like a you know a hundred and fifty seven years of age at this point, but they have not stopped making music. I think the band was actually formed in like seventy five, seventy six. Again, I'm guessing it's dates. I'm going to get them all wrong. And then I think the first album was seventy nine. Maybe there was an album prior to it. If it is, I, I missed it. So I always see that that album, self titled Saxon with the the person holding the sword. I always remember that as being the first album. And then they just would show up here. They would show up here. They would show up here. I, you know, I, I'm not, by no means am I claiming that I was ever a big fan. I really wasn't. It kind of just, there were other bands that caught my attention within that genre of music far more. Iron Maiden caught my attention and my fascination and my love Far more than Saxon ever did. Judas Priest did. I, I could go on to a lot of British bands who, who showed up, who caught my attention more so. But I mean, they were there. And so I would hear them and I would, I would know. So I have not given really Saxon much thought in a very, very long time. And I was downstairs and I was listening to some, some different, uh, some just all kinds of different music. I mean, it's music streaming services. And so I'd kind of taken a veer recently into more metal, heavy metal kind of uh, exploration. Some things that I knew, some things that I haven't known. And so I was, I, I, there was a, a certain sound, a certain type of metal, heavy rock sound. And I'm like, okay, what other recent albums kind of follow this kind of of path or sound, right? So I was like, okay, I like this. The streaming services will provide some saying, hey, if you like this, you should check this out. But in some cases, it's like, well, that's not quite what I'm looking for. Some cases it is. 
So then I started looking up some sites that offer reviews, right? Offering reviews. And then, or they would give you like the best albums of 2023 or the best album of January, whatever. And so I was just looking and then I noticed, wait a minute, they have a review for a Saxon album? Where in the world is that coming from? Like, is that new? So then I went and looked and I'm like, wait a minute. January the 19th, 2024, Saxon came out with an album in 2024. How is that even humanly possible? They're like a 700 years old. Like there's just no, I know I keep making them older after every time I mention their age, but I'm, they, they can't even be making music. Like, how is this possible? So I'm like, oh, I've got, it, there's a new Saxon album. I've got to go check it out. And I don't know how I missed it in January. Maybe because I don't pay a lot of attention to what Saxon is doing. Because I probably thought, I mean, if I'm being honest, I probably thought they had all passed away. Okay. So I like, you know, all right, let me go check this out. So I, uh, I, I open up a music streaming service. I open it up. And then the first thing I notice is the cover. All right. It's got that. And kind of that bright blood red, that Saxon, the way they kind of write their name, right? And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then I'm looking like, wait a minute. This is like, is this like an angel holding a sword with a shield? It's got a cross on it. It's definitely an angel. It's got wings. And then there's like all these demons underneath. And I'm like, okay, this is typical. Like metal loves to bring in religious imagery. Metal has has a long history of pulling in religious imagery, religious verbiage, biblical concepts, biblical images. Now, sometimes people may say they do so in a way to blaspheme it, to mock it. and and But whatever they're using it for, this has always been like, you know, the thing that drives Christians absolutely crazy. They, lo- they lose their minds. They're calling for the burning of albums and, and they want label warnings and they want it silenced and they want it censored and they want it gone and, you know, all the typical thing Christians do. But I was looking at the cover. I'm like, okay, we got some religious imagery going on. Then I looked at the name of the album. Hell, Fire, and Damnation. And I'm like, Hell, Fire, and Damnation. All right, now we've got some we've got some religious stuff going on. Hell, fire, and damnation. I'm like, okay, I gotta listen to at least the beginning of this. All right, so the first part, the, the beginning is called the first track is called the prophecy. All right, and it's your typically you can say you know over dramatic intro to a metal album. It's kind of got that dramatic like narrator giving you something, and it's using all kinds of religious imagery. Okay, and I'm like, okay, been there, done that. Then the next song is the title track, "Hell Fire and Damnation." Did I say Brimstone? Hell Fire and Damnation. All right, and I'm like, all right, what 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 is this about? Now I need you to listen to me. I need you to listen to me carefully. What we're going to be doing here in the next few minutes is we will be looking at some of these lyrics. This is not a podcast episode about the band Saxon. It's not about heavy metal. It's not even about the lyrics to this song. I'm utilizing all of this to launch us into a deeper conversation about how sometimes within popular culture, the way they talk about religion or Christianity 
or God or Satan, sometimes it carries very flawed theological ideas. And it's easy for us to stand on the outside, point to it and condemn it and going, those people don't know anything. And you know, I don't like to stand on some, you know, righteous platform to point the finger condemning the world. The world isn't Christian. I understand that. So I don't, I don't like doing that. What I typically do is when I see something within popular culture, I tend to then turn the focus back onto myself and to the church. Because sometimes the flawed, weird way of thinking the world may have about religion, God, or Satan, or anything along those lines, sometimes that same weird thinking shows up in Christianity just in a very different way. It's going to use different language. It may, it may try to sound more biblical. It may try, try to sound more theological, but it still carries with it some of those wrong ideas that you hear in the world. And I, and this song made me think of that. So that's where we're going. This is not about the band. It's not about heavy. I know I'm going to get emails. People are going to want to talk about heavy metal or talk about the band or, and, and if you want to talk about that, great. Just don't act like that's what this episode is about. I'm just using this to get us there. Okay. I know I have to keep offering these. I've got to explain myself. I would rather not explain myself, but sometimes you have to. All right. So here is the song Hellfire and Damnation. I'm going to pull up lyrics. All right. The song. Begins with a musical intro, which we kind of write too. Okay, we won't get in. I'm, I'm not going to break it all down. But then it opens with this line. Here's the first line of the song, Hell, Fire, and Damnation by Saxon. You ready? Here we go. Child of Satan or Lamb of God. Child of Satan or Lamb of God, the choice is yours to make. Child of Satan or Lamb of God, the choice is yours to make. Well, we already have somewhat of a of a theological problem because we're all born children of Satan because we are depraved, right? So there's problem number one. It's not like you're born and you get to pick the team, right? Hey, I'm going to pick which team. No, you're already on a team, right? It's called you're a child of the devil because you are depraved and you're guilty in Adam, okay? So, all right. So you're already, so that's already kind of flawed. But sometimes you hear this mentality almost in the church. Remember, we've had issues in church history with Pelagius and Pelagianism and semi-Pelagianism where you're not guilty in Adam and you do not have a sinful nature. And so you're almost kind of born and almost in a state of innocence and then you get to choose which team you're either going to choose God or you're going to choose to go with Satan that that shows up even in some people's theology so I can't be too shocked that a metal album gets it wrong when the church gets it wrong in some cases but then the choice is yours to make okay that's very much a a, a semi-Pelagian Pelagian free will idea because obviously in a reform view the choice isn't yours to make because well you are spiritually dead in your trespasses and sins you can't make the choice because you're dead God's going to have to come and choose you and give you life and I know that many loathe that theology they like the free will theology and the free will theology requires then you don't believe that you're totally depraved because if you believe you're totally depraved that depravity then would impact your ability to choose God. In fact, you would never choose God because you're totally depraved, right? All right, we could get into all of the theological issues, but let's keep going. Next line. 
So child of Satan or lamb of God, the choice is yours to make. Next, rule the heavens high or reign in hell. Satanic rites and holy prayers bring supremacy. Fighting for our souls until the end. The battle rages on through eternity. In the fight for good and evil, which one will succeed? Hell, fire, and damnation. Written in the prophecy, holy fire and salvation. Will our souls ever be free? So then it kind of just, it's kind of describing a situation where we're kind of like a pawn. And then there's two forces that are moving the pieces on the chessboard. There's Satan and there's God. And we're caught in the middle of this fight. So then it says, will our souls ever be free? The Antichrist and Nazarene fight the endless war. So you have the Antichrist. You have the Nazarene. So you have these two forces fighting an endless war. Angels, demons raging back and forth. Demonic verses, holy script, the never-ending fight. Will the darkness conquer against the light? Armies of the evil, warriors of the good, battle on forever to find the chosen one. Hell, fire, and damnation written in the prophecy. Holy fire and salvation will our souls ever be free. Satan's fire, heaven's light, the conflict never ends. Back and forth, they battle for our souls. The prophecy written out there for all to read. Some believe, but others cannot see. The battle rages on into eternity. The fight for good and evil. Which one will it be? Hell, fire, and damnation written in the prophecy. Holy fire and salvation. Will our souls ever be free? Ever be free. Ever be free. Now, I could could have taken probably every line apart to some level. But you get the basic idea. Saxon... On their new album, Hellfire and Damnation, new as, as in, it was released in 2024, which is still hard to believe since they're, you know, 852 years old. Okay. But the point is, they're still making albums and they have this Hellfire and Damnation. Now that we could take apart certain aspects of it theologically, but I want to, I want it to be used for a bigger theological discussion. It puts forth this picture. It creates this image that there's this everlasting fight between God and Satan and it's underway and we're kind of caught in the middle. And are we ever going to be free of this battle? Now, I know many, some Christians will be like, no, 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 the battle is already won. Jesus has set us free. But then they will say that and then 
five seconds later or in the sermon next week, they'll be like, Satan is out to do this and Satan is doing this and Satan makes you think this and Satan tempts you here and Satan will get you to do this and Satan will get you to do this and Satan will get you to do that and Satan is doing this and Satan is doing that and then bad things happen because the devil is at work and you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought the battle was over. I thought God was victorious. I thought God was in charge. So on one, on one minute, we preach sermons that God is in charge. The battle is over. Satan is defeated. But wait, 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 wait. Satan is a, is a, like a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour. You better put on your armor because Satan is out to get you. Wait, wait, so is the battle over? Is it not over? Well, the battle is ultimately over. So the war is over, but the battles aren't over. So the war is already over, but even though the war is over, the battles still rage and we're caught in that battle. So then when we say we're caught in that battle, then it's it's a never-ending battle to try to completely understand what Satan can or cannot do. Now, it was interesting that I heard this song today because I had been planning and I need to go back and find the sermon. I don't remember what the sermon was on. It was part of our Sermons 2.0 app challenge. It was a random sermon that I listened to. I'll have to go back through my history and see if I can find it. But as I was listening to it, I was kind of baffled because I think the man was preaching. I think it was something in Psalms or whatever. But over and over in the sermon, he was like, Satan does this and the devil did this and, and the devil got me to do this and the devil was telling me this and the devil was making me feel this and Satan this and the devil this and Satan this and the devil this and the Satan that. And I was like, whoa. So this raises the question, exactly what can Satan do or not do? Because Christians acknowledge we're some kind of spiritual war. Now, I think the spiritual war is primarily fought internally. The battle really, the front line of the spiritual war is inside of me. Okay, that's where the battle rages. It's me trying to fight against the sinful nature. I've got God's word telling me not to go with the sinful nature. And the sinful nature is like, no, 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 follow me. And so the things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Okay, Romans chapter 7. Now, some people say... Romans 7 is not the description of a Christian, but of someone not a Christian. And that, that Romans 8 gives us the victory and then we, we can overcome it. And then they try to paint a picture of practical victory where I think in Romans 8, it's more of a positional victory. But okay, we could get into that discussion. But the reality is this. That is what I want you to do. I want you to grab a piece of paper today. And I want you to make a list of everything you think Satan can do right now. What can Satan do to you right now? What can Satan do to your family right now? What can Satan do around you? What can Satan do to weather? What can Satan do in your house? What can Satan do to your car? What can Satan do to your body? I want you to just write down all the things you think Satan can do. Just don't worry about whether you think it's right or wrong. Don't worry about whether. Just, I want you to just make a list of everything you think Satan can do. Just write it down. And then I want you to see how many scriptures you can find that would support said ideas, right? So first, everything you think Satan can do. Can he read your mind? Does he know what you're feeling? Can he speak to you internally? Can he speak to you externally? What can, what can he do? Can he cause your car to break down? Can he cause your house to catch on fire? Can he, can he give you cancer? What, what can he, can he cause a tornado to hit your house? Can, can, can he make the electricity go out? Because I've heard preachers do this even during a, a, a church service. Things will be going wrong and they'll be like, obviously Satan doesn't want this service to happen. Say, the, the, Satan is messing with the sound equipment. So Satan can come into a church and mess up with the sound equipment? <laughs> 
Satan can cause the internet to go out. Satan can cause your microphone to stop working. Satan can cause your PowerPoint presentation to stop working. Clearly, that doesn't make any sense because Satan is the creator of PowerPoint. Okay, I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, so like what can he do? But I'm not joking about what pastors say. I've I've heard this stuff all the time. All the time. The, The slightest thing goes wrong. Satan is at work. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So Satan can actually work inside, you know, like a computer a sounds a soundboard lights electricity internet connection like satan can do that okay so like what can he do so i want you to write down what he can do what can he do and then i want you to see what scriptures you can find to support that idea now once you have your list of what he can do once you have a list of scriptures to either support that or you can't find anything then i want you to just ask what should be the practical application of that truth How then should that impact our lives? Right? So what can, what do you think Satan can do? What scriptures do you find to whether support or not support it? And then what do you think the practical application of that reality is? If Satan can do all of these things and you feel like you've got scriptural support, what does that mean? And then I want you to ask this question, right? So number one, all the things you think Satan can do. Number two, the scriptures you have to support it or dis or disprove it. Then I want you, what is the practical application of that reality? And then I want you to take that reality where you're like, okay, man, Satan can do this and Satan can do this, or I don't know. Okay, but Satan is doing something. Whatever your conclusion, and then say, okay, how does God's sovereignty fit in with that? Because I think we almost inevitably create this idea that God's over here fighting against Satan. Now, sometimes we'll preach it as God's already won, And Satan is just a tool. Well, then if Satan is just a tool and he's already defeated and he can't really do much, well, then we can't really be blaming Satan for anything, right? I mean, Satan can't be a roaring lion roaming about seeking whom he may devour if he's already defeated and God is sovereign because then we don't, I don't need to really worry about that roaring lion because he can't do anything apart from God. Well, then if God is allowing him to do things, then how do I understand that? If I'm like, man, Satan is really tempting me. Well, then God is allowing Satan to tempt me. So then God may be using secondary causes, but then am, am I more upset with Satan or am I upset with God? And I'm like, God, stop him from tempting me. You don't want me to sin, then remove the tempter. And I said, well, no, God is using the tempter for a purpose. Well, then what would be that purpose? If God allows Satan to tempt you knowing you're going to sin and he doesn't remove Satan, then is God not, then is God in a roundabout way bringing about your sin in order for, I guess, his purpose? Now, he, now, I know we use secondary causes as a way to get God off the hook. Well, see, God's not the one actually doing the tempting. He's using Satan. But if Satan knows he's going to tempt you and knows exactly, we, we saw this with Peter, right? We see this with Peter in the Bible. Hey, Peter, Satan is coming for you. All right, well, God knew what was going to happen. God could have stopped Satan. He didn't. He didn't. So then did God want Peter to fall to ultimately he used Peter's sin for Peter's ultimate spiritual growth and humility moving forward? Now, if you bring that into the equation, your theology is going to get very difficult to try to process because then that would be like God sometimes allows us to sin because he uses that sin. Well, then when when someone sins, 
It could literally be God utilizing that sin and we still want to drag someone out back, crucify them and say, you are finished. Well, how can you say you are finished if God is the one who set the entire situation up? Maybe then it's not that you are finished. Maybe you're like, okay, what was God trying to do? But then you're like, well, now you're excusing your sin. I'm not excusing sin. I'm saying if we're going to say Satan is involved in temptation and God is in control and God doesn't stop Satan from tempting, then God somehow is utilizing it all for his purpose. How does that work? I don't have any easy answers. But here's a a metal album. We'll use the term metal. I call it hard rock more than metal, but okay. Let's say a a, a metal sound from, you know, the the late 70s, early 80s. Maybe going in, maybe as as metal started to evolve, it took on a more, a different kind of sound, right? We, We can get into all of the evolution of the genre. But the point is, they see this like never ending war. And I think sometimes we speak of it in very similar ways. We may not wrap it up in heavy metal music. We may not wrap it up in, in such a, you know, a kind of a very, you know, surface level way that a heavy metal song would, would deal with a subject like this. But we would try to deal with it in a more theological way. But I think sometimes the church sounds confusing. It sounds confused. All right, so God's in charge. God's in control. He's already defeated Satan. So so Satan can't do anything apart from what God wants him to do. And then the next minute, we're like, but Satan is doing this and Satan is doing this and Satan is doing this. Well, if Satan is doing all these things and God is the one controlling it, then God is allowing Satan to do those things. How do you understand that? So what can Satan actually do? Well, everything Satan can do, then what does that mean for you practically? And then how do you understand God's sovereignty in light of it? I think it raises serious questions. And I want you to struggle with that today. I want you to process that today. Some people give Satan, I think, far more power than they should. Some may give Satan too little of power. So there's already a disagreement. Once we figure out what Satan can do, then I don't know what the practical implications of that, but I think sometimes we don't really, I think we all, we say Satan, we're in the middle of a spiritual war and Satan's out there roaming about as a, as a roaring lion seeking to devour us. We say that, but we don't really live like we're really in danger. Right? Like if I really believe that there was a roaring lion outside my house seeking to kill me, I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to, I'm going to be living my life really different in this house. I mean, the one experience where there was a rattlesnake at our front door. Even to this day, I get ready to open that door and I'm very careful to make sure there's not a rattlesnake there. If you've ever been in an area where there's rattlesnakes, it impacts you for the rest of the time going out. You've got to make sure, okay, all right, make sure we're good to go here. Make sure. I've had too many encounters with them. Too many encounters with scorpions in my life growing up in West Texas. That, that wake up one night with a scorpion on your chest and boom, 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 boom. You get it, it, it takes it, it stabs you multiple times. You'll never forget that. So that has a profound impact on you. Well, if we really believe there's a spiritual entity named Satan that's out to get us and he can do this and he can do this, you think it would have a profound impact on us. But I think in some ways we don't really act like we believe it. 
And then other times, especially in preaching, we, it sounds like Satan literally can do anything, like literally. Like you listen to some Christians talk and some preachers talk, you think Satan is omnipresent, omniscient, uh, omnipotent. You think he basically can do everything because he's like, he did this and he did this and then Satan was doing this and then Satan told me this and I told Satan this and, and they're like having conversations You're like, what in the world is going on? And then there's other times in preaching, you think Satan's already, he's finished, he's done, you don't need to worry about him. So it just really depends on the sermon on any given Sunday, what you're going to hear. But we need to figure out what do we think Satan can do? What do the scriptures seem to be explicit about what he can or cannot do? What should that mean about your life Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? And then how do you reconcile all of that with the fact that God is omnipotent, omniscient, sovereign, ruler, king? Like, how do you understand then? That obviously, listen, look, there's no way to get around this. This may cause you some theological, you know, headaches. This may cause you to have, you know, you feel like you're going to get dizzy and pass out. But there's a reality. If you think about it, if God created Satan, knowing that Satan was going to rebel, why would he create the very being that he knows is going to rebel? Hmm. He must have a purpose for him. Well, then once he rebels, God can destroy him. But why would God not destroy him? Well, then God allows him to come to this earth. Why would he allow him to come to this earth? Because he knows that he's not going to be the source of temptation. Now, knowing he's going to be the source of temptation, why then even let him in the garden? But he lets him into the garden. Why? Once Satan causes the temptation and says, hey, have you considered this or, you know, have you all everything, you know, Satan attempts to get Eve to do? Why then would he not then destroy Eve or Satan at that time? Well, you could, argue, why wouldn't he destroy Adam and Eve at that time? Because now that they are corrupt and they're going to produce sinful uh, children. But that's, that's even a deeper question. But then why not get rid of Satan right then and right there? But he does not. And Satan continues and continues and continues and continues and continues and continues and continues. And if Satan is tempting, if Satan is doing this and God knows that he's going to cause you to sin or me to sin or they to sin and he's, he's involved in causing us to sin, well, then God knows that he's causing us to sin before the temptation even gets to us. Then somehow this raises deep questions about somehow is Satan and sin a part of God's eternal plan? Now, that doesn't justify sin. That doesn't excuse sin because the Bible still condemns it. But it raises questions on how to comprehend and understand all of this. The song by Saxon just tries to put like there's two equal forces, good and evil, and they're at fight and we're caught in the middle. Well, we don't believe that that's an accurate representation because we believe God is greater. But if God is greater, then whatever Satan is doing, it's doing because God wants it to be done, meaning somehow Maybe even your own sin and your own failure is a part of God's ultimate plan. I would love to get your thoughts. The album, Hellfire and Damnation by Saxon. Track two is Hellfire and Damnation. You can find the lyrics online. Easy, just... Type in Hellfire Damnation by Saxon. You should find the lyrics easy. You don't even need a music streaming service. It's available on all music streaming services. Title. Uh, yeah, all, all of the music streaming services. Deezer, all the different ones. Um, of course, the, the, the more popular ones, Spotify, Apple, all of the uh, more popular ones. It's on all of them. 
Uh, you can look it up if you would so desire. But this is not about them. It's not about music. It's about these deeper theological questions. All right? It's about these deeper theological questions. It is. I mean, we could raise the question, how can people who are 957 years old still be making heavy metal albums? Okay, you know, maybe they don't really exist. They're, they're, they're just AI images. Okay, all right. So, all right, I'm joking. I'm joking. But raises some theological issues that I don't have easy answer for. And I think I've struggled with it my whole Christian life to some level. It's like, okay, Satan is defeated. God is in charge. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Then in the next summer, you're saying Satan does this and Satan did this and Satan does this and Satan does this. And, 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 okay, wait a minute. So, so I, 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 I can he do this? Can, can he read my thoughts? Oh, wait. Oh, does he know what I feel? Oh, no, 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 no. Can he put thoughts in my brain? Can he, can he make me feel things? Oh boy, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Right. So then it becomes all complicated. And maybe you've grown up in a Christianity where you've never had any of these questions or struggles. And you can then write me uh, an email, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And you can explain it all to me. And I got no problem then explaining it to everyone else. Right, that's, that's a piece of paper. You heard that sound in the background. I was holding it. All right. I feel like there's something else I should say rather profound, but I think what I accomplished there was raising these issues for you to struggle with. I gave you a clear assignment. Write down all the things you think Satan can do, scriptures to either agree, prove it, disprove it, whatever. Then what does that mean for you practically Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday? And then how do you take all of that and reconcile it with God's sovereignty? Now, I don't know if any will actually participate in all of that, but please do so. And then here's what I would challenge you to do over the next, I don't know, next little while, every sermon you listen to for the Sermons 2.0 app challenge, just listen to anything they say about what Satan is doing or didn't do, Satan this, Satan that, the devil this, the devil that, anything they attribute to Satan Write down what they attribute and tell me, and give, you, know, you can give me the sermon in which it occurs because, and if they really say something big about what Satan can do, give me the timestamp and then maybe we can use it as an illustration. I need to find that sermon that I was going to, to play because I, I, because I was like, I didn't even care what he was saying about anything else. He just kept saying Satan this and Satan this and then Satan did this and Satan did that. And I'm like, for crying out loud, I think he's just given Satan like every ability in the history of the, of, of the entire history of everything. Like he's made Satan oh, probably almost as powerful as God. Now, I know that wasn't the preacher's intent, but it was like Satan did this and Satan tempted this and Satan did this and Satan caused this problem and Satan did... And it's like, man, alive. And then I'm like, for Satan to be all doing all of those things for this one person, I, I guess he either wasn't around anyone else or this person's almost assigning some level of omnipresence to him. And then that's where it all becomes problematic. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. Let the conversations begin. God bless.